Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. Hey, warm hello. Welcome to Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific show for you. We don't have a guest on today because there were a couple technical issues behind the scenes, but with that said, I'm going to be giving you guys my thoughts on these divisional series. We're going to be going with the American League in the second segment. In the final segment, I'm going to be taking a look at the National League series. We're seeing some numbers coming out for game one of a couple of these games as well, so we're going to be doing a nice little deep dive there. You're going to get my thoughts on just these series in general, so that is going to be a lot of fun. As per usual, when it comes to this podcast, I do like to be able to answer your tour questions. If there is something that you'd like to answer, please feel free to fire that into my timeline at GRSCORD1 on Twitter. Now, if you send those via direct message, letter ZM to Mimi does not matter. Or you can also send these in via an Apple Podcast review. Rate this podcast five stars because, for one, it actually helps out the exposure of this podcast. More people get to see, oh, Greg Peterson must be doing a great job with this podcast. And then they wind up subscribing. Helps me do what I do on a daily basis a little bit easier. I always appreciate that. And I didn't get in one specific question, but sort of a group of questions, so I'm going to address that right about now. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. And today's Twitter mailbag is brought to you by my good friends at MyBookie. With MyBookie, they realize that the peak of sports is truly back. You've got the NBA Finals that is going on. The MLB postseason college basketball is going to be starting up November 25th. 
So we are certainly going to be looking at the signing total on Hooping with Hoops on every single one of those games when that comes about and so much more. And they want to help you maximize being able to hit those winning bets with a dollar-for-dollar deposit bonus on your first deposit up to $1,000 by using the promo code GREG. That is my name, G-R-E-G. Rollover does apply, but you get your first deposit doubled when you sign up and make your first deposit with my bookie and use that promo code GREG. And then when it comes to the NFL, they've got great offerings there. Hopefully we get fewer games that wind up getting postponed due to COVID, but with that said, the NFL is back in our lives. Obviously, we had some rambunctious college football action this past week weekend as well so they are doing a great job with all that and they give you some absolutely tremendous offerings and that's what you get when it comes to hedging your futures as well I know that so many of you guys have asked me this and this is something that disclaimer if you subscribe to both the college basketball podcast Hooping with Hoops and my baseball podcast baseball betting podcast I'm addressing this on both podcasts today just because I do think that it is a very important topic so a little bit behind the curtain there but with that said I do think that it is important to discuss hedging because it's certainly comes up in the NCAA tournament. It certainly is going to be coming up this MLB postseason. I know that there are many of you guys that are sort of like, I am sitting on a very nice Miami Marlins future right now. Or when it comes to college basketball, I am sitting on a very nice Dayton future. What do I do with it? What is the best way to go about it? And I always give you guys the same answer whenever I get a hedging question because you guys know me. I'm more of a game-by-game better. I've never really found myself in a position where I needed to hedge a future just because, let's face it, I really don't dive into the futures market, which is why on this podcast, I wind up bringing on guys that they wind up doing a lot more with regards to that. So that way you get an informed opinion there. But whenever it comes to hedging, the best thing I could tell you is do what you are comfortable with this This is your futures ticket. This is not mine. And everyone is a little bit different. There are a lot of people that when they get down to a certain point, they want to just take a look at, okay, what is the absolute most I can guarantee myself right now? I will hedge that amount on, let's say you've got a San Diego Padres future and you're taking a look at being able to hedge some money on the LA Dodgers. You really try to find that spot in which you're guaranteed to make like number X on the Dodgers and number Y on the San Diego Padres. If like the maximum is $125, you wind up getting it whether you win or lose. And I'm just throwing out there $125 as a hypothetical figure. Some people look to do that. You've obviously got quite a few people are like, you know what? Hedging is for wussies. I am just going to go forth and we're going to try to conquer. We saw that with a big giant St. Louis Blues ticket during the 2019 NHL season. There was a guy that stood to win six figures on a St. Louis Blues future. He decided, no thanks, I'm not going to hedge. He obviously had a lot on the line during the Stanley Cup final, and you know what? He came out roses. There are a lot of people that, during the 2019 college basketball season, they had big giant futures on Texas Tech. Some of them wound up hedging. Others, they decided, you know what? We're going to let it ride. And then, if you're feeling a little bit uneasy about your future as well, there are more options than ever before to wind up maybe not necessarily putting in a hedge bet on a certain team, but rather doing a little bit of a cash out. By that, I mean prop swap. It certainly has been a very fascinating time for prop swap because as we know, we had a bunch of strange futures ordeals when it came to the shutdown back then in March, but they are still doing some great work. If you're feeling a little bit uneasy, you could look at someone just taking that futures ticket off your hands altogether. If you wind up living on the East Coast part of the country, you now can actually cash out some of your futures tickets as well a little bit early. There's a little bit of an algorithm with so many of these books out there on the East Coast and many online bettors know this as well in which 
you wind up just being able to get a set amount. Obviously, it's going to be pennies on the dollar than what you would stand to make if you wind up riding it out, but you're able to take the immediate cash out there as well. And there are some people that they want to hedge to be able to get the maximum amount, like I was mentioning a little bit earlier with that LA Dodgers or the San Diego Padres example. There are other people that you know what? They are sitting there and they're like, you know what? I want to hedge the amount that I need to be able to break even slash make a very, very slight profit, but I still want a lot invested when it comes to my future as well. It's all about gauging the amount of risk that you want to take with your future because if you have a future on, say, the New York Yankees, you wind up diving in when they were on that big losing streak and you still feel very good about it, you probably don't have much reason to hedge unless if they wind up going down against the Tampa Bay race, but then you obviously are a little bit too late as well. But if you feel very good about that future, I wouldn't be in a position where I'd want to hedge it too much if you're thinking, oh, this is a terrible matchup for the New York Yankees. The Rays have knocked them off eight out of 10 times that they played so far this year. I'm not feeling too easy about it. Then you probably want to be hedging a little bit more. It's just all about your personal tolerance with risk and how you just feel about the matchup in general because we know this with Miami Heat betters when it comes to their futures. They're probably feeling very uneasy about them right now due to injuries. So there's a lot of factors that come about it. The best thing I can tell you when it comes to futures is just gauge your amount of risk and do what feels right to you. You can ask 100 different people about how they would hedge futures ticket X, futures ticket Y, and you'd probably get 100 different answers. Just do what you're most comfortable with. And at the end of the day, just do what you can feel good about regardless of the outcome. So that's my best advice to you. Always appreciate the questions, you guys. Always feel free to fire those in. And coming up next, it is that time I start taking a look at these divisional series. First up, it's going to be the American League in the second segment. Then the final segment, we're going to be taking a look at the National League. That is on the other side right here on the Baseball Bank Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Las Vegas for the Baseball Bank Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is that time that we take a look forward to what we're going to be noticing out there in the divisional round of the MLB postseason. We are down to eight teams. It's going to be very interesting to see what we wind up getting as currently we've got set starters for one of the American League series in Game 1. That'd be the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Rays. It'll be the Rays going with Blake Snell and Garrett Cole for the Yankees. And if you're looking at early lines right now, you're seeing the Yankees between a minus 135 and minus 140 favorite for Game 1. And you're seeing the Rays anywhere between plus 110 and seeing as high as plus 125 at the Westgate with a total on that game of 7.5 with that being shaded to the under. And as I take a look at this series, I do think that if there is one team that could disrupt the apple cart of what I've been asking all of our guests, and we're going to have Jeff Parles on the podcast tomorrow. I'm going to be asking him this question as well. If there is a team that could disrupt the World Series of LA Dodgers versus the New York Yankees, I do think that it's a Tampa Bay race. We can see, take a look at Blake Snell. He's a guy that wound up winning a Cy Young Award about two years ago. And Garrett Cole, he certainly had his issues when he faced off against the Tampa Bay Rays. I think the Rays got to him twice. G-Man Choi has, for some reason, owned his soul. I have absolutely no idea, but I know that G-Man Choi wound up taking him deep a couple times here in 2020, so I find that to be very fascinating. Obviously, Garrett Cole is going to be the best starting pitcher in this series. No disrespect to Tyler Glasnow or Blake Snell, but he just is. But then when you get down to it in Game 2, you're probably going to have to go with Masahiro Tanaka for the New York Yankees. And in Game 3, probably Jay Happ, in my opinion. Now, Jay Happ certainly has not been hapless. He's had an ERA that's hovered right around 2 after his first 3 or 4 starts were a little bit of a dud for this team. And with the New York Yankees, you certainly have a solid bullpen. Guys like Zach Britton, 
Adam Adovino along with Roldis Chapman are good, but you can tell that they just haven't necessarily been themselves this year. And when you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, you've got not just good bullpen depth, but you've got a bunch of guys that are able to give you multiple innings in that bullpen. I'm looking at a guy like an Aaron Sleggers. He's been able to give the team like three innings already this year. He's someone that I really look at as being a little bit of a difference maker. Oliver Drake is someone that I like coming out of the bullpen. Peter Fairbanks has really come to the forefront as a good reliever. Right around a 270 ERA, wound up getting 39 strikeouts in 26 and two-thirds innings. And Kevin Cash said it best. When Aroldis Chapman wound up throwing at one of his guys, I'm forgetting who wound up nearly taking a 100-mile-per-hour fastball in the face from Aroldis Chapman, but He's got a bunch of guys that throw 98 miles per hour as well. And I think that that's something that is going to be of the essence with this. John Curtis with two S's on the end of Curtis is someone I do like coming out of the bullpen. Now, it becomes a little bit of a mystery as to what you're going to be able to get out of Charlie Morton because I think at some point he's going to need to start. And then when it comes to like Ryan Yarbrough, he's going to be able to be sort of a guy that is going to be able to come in and give this team a start. And he's going to be able to give them some solid innings now with the Rays and the Yankees. You have to be a little bit concerned about what you'd be able to get out of a game five for either of these teams? Do you bring back someone on short rest? Because Davey Garcia, probably going to be that number four starter for the New York Yankees. But as I see it right now, I do think that there is some value on the Rays as it sits right now. If I'm winding up getting the Rays at plus 125 or greater, which we're seeing right now, I'll probably lean towards them in game one. And at seven and a half, I'm certainly going to be taking a look at the under. I know that the New York Yankees certainly have some very good bats in the lineup. Aaron Judge, John Carlos Sand, and all those guys. But with Aaron Judge, ever since he wound up coming back from his injury, I'm not going to say that he's been awful or anything like that, but he hasn't necessarily been absolutely terrific. I do think that that needs to be pointed out. Now, DJ LeMayu hitting like a 360 all year is absolutely amazing. I don't know about you, but Luke Voigt was feeling 22 home runs. And with the Tampa Bay Rays, this is a little bit of a nameless, faceless team. You've got Austin Meadows, who really did nothing for this team all year. Brandon Lau has been able to do a nice job. He wound up hitting during the regular season right around 270 with 14 home runs. Got a couple guys like Manuel Margot, Willie Adamas have been able to get on base. Catcher spot has been a little bit of an enigma, but they just seem to always be able to step up, do exactly what they need to do. It's one of these cases in which you've got the superstars of the New York Yankees and a team in the Rays that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. So in game one, I'd probably be looking at the Rays. I think that in general, this is a series that goes five. If the Rays are especially able to win game one, they'll be putting themselves in good shape. And then when you take a look at what is going to be happening in game one of the Oakland A's versus the Houston Astros, we have no announced starters, and yet we've got numbers on this game one matchup from a couple different places. You're seeing a total of eight with the over at minus 120 and the under at even. And the Oakland A's right around minus 115 to minus 120 favorite with the Oakland A's anywhere between even and plus 105. And I think that you've got to believe that it's probably going to be Zach Greinke who winds up going for the Houston Astros. If you're the Oakland A's, you've got a little bit more runway with regards to being able to pick and choose your starter. I don't know if you wind up throwing Jesus Lazardo here. Jesus Lazardo's had a nice year, but if I'm the Oakland A's, I'm probably taking a look at the man that got the job done in Game 2 and Chris Bassett because this guy's been absolutely superb. I think that the Houston Astros are going to have no chance whatsoever when they wind up facing off against Bassett because in his last five starts for Bassett, at least six innings in every one of them, he's given up a combined two runs. I mean, this guy is really going far on the radar. He has given up six walks in those last five starts as well, and that first start was a 6-0 win over the Houston Astros with the Astros. This is a team that has scored four runs or fewer in 16 out of their last 19 games. You still have some star power. Obviously, you've still got Jose Altuve, George Springer, Michael Brantley, all those guys. Carlos Correa, though, even though he had a nice home run in that series against the Minnesota Twins, only five home runs during the 
regular season. When you take a look at what you're getting out of Jose Altuve, it's not much of anything. You haven't necessarily gotten a lot out of Josh Reddick, though he is a very good defensive player. And with the Houston Astros, what has been surprising to me about them is the fact that they have been able to get some solid bullpen pitching. Now, it looks like Chris Savinsky may not be in the fold for this series. He's still listed as day-to-day. I do like the fact that Andre Scrub was able to step up for this team, but he's a guy that he winds up giving up like six walks per nine innings. So there's a little bit of a question mark there. Brooks Raley has been able to come in and he's been able to do a solid job. And don't say you're a Kitty. You got to think that he's going to get a start at some point in this series. He has been able to do a good job as well. But then when you take a look at the Oakland A's, we saw Liam Hendricks come back after throwing 49 pitches a previous day to close out game three. This guy is absolutely superb for this team. Lou Trevino comes out of the bullpen. He's able to do a good job. J.B. Wendell can. You just have so many guys that are able to give you multiple innings out of the Oakland A's bullpen. You've got a lot of guys like Joaquin Soria. He has Merrill Petit that they've been there, done that. I think that if there is a chance of a series that only goes three in the American League, I do think that it's the Oakland A's and the Houston Astros. I mean, with not knowing the starter right now, even if it would wind up being someone like Jesus Lazardo, I'd probably be taking a look at the A's in game one. I probably would be taking a look at the under as well, just because with the Houston Astros, despite the fact that Zach Greinke has given up three plus runs in seven out of his last eight starts, this is a team that they're not generating a lot of offense, and this is an Oakland A's team that, when it comes to team batting average, they're towards the bottom of the league. I mean, Matt Olson wound up giving the team a double-digit amount of home runs, but he's only hitting a buck ninety-four. You've got so many guys like Marcus Simeon, Mark Hanna, Sean Murphy. List goes on and on that they were just hitting in that two thirty range. And I do think that Tommy Lasella was a good trade deadline acquisition. He hit right around at two seventy-five for this bunch. I really like what he's able to do for them. And Chris with the K Davis showed a pulse in the series against the Chicago White Sox. That's obviously very good, but I am certainly going to probably be looking at some unders in this series. And I just have a feeling that I'm going to be betting the Oakland A's a lot in this series. So that's my look at the American League series as of right now. Coming up next, I give you guys a little bit of a preview of the two National League series. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Bank Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Now that we've taken a look at the American League Series, now it is that time that I give you a little bit of a look as to my general thoughts when it comes to the National League. These games are going to be starting up on Tuesday, whereas the American League Series, they start up on Monday and the big bomber of them is certainly going to be the San Diego Padres who are going to be facing off against the LA Dodgers. It's just so unfortunate that the Padres have been hurt by injuries. They did not have Mike Clevenger along with Nelson Lament available for their first series against the St. Louis Cardinals. As a result, they had to go three, and they were able to get the job done. Give them credit. Zero runs given up in that bullpen game, and what has really gone under the radar for the Padres is that their bullpen was terrible at the beginning of the year, and then when they wound up making the trade deadline acquisitions with the Seattle Mariners, along with bringing in Trevor Rosenthal from the Kansas City Royals. This is a bullpen that has actually been one of the best out there in the big leagues, but they're facing off against a Dodgers bullpen that they themselves have been just absolutely dynamic with the Dodgers. Number one bullpen ERA in the National League all year long. Guys like Bersuiter Gratal, Blake Tryon, Jake McGee, they have all been lights out. Kenley Jansen certainly has had his trials and tribulations the past couple years, but he's been pretty solid so far this year. And then for the Padres, this is going to be all about trying to find some long relief innings. Adrian Morajona has stepped up as a little bit of a long reliever for this team. He wound up giving the team 25 pitches in their Game 3 win against the St. Louis Cardinals, which I believe was the most of anyone that wound up taking the mound in that one. Craig Stamen has been pretty solid. I do like what they're getting out of Pierce Johnson as well. And we know with the Padres, you're certainly going to have this offense 
firing all cylinders. Fernando Tatis Jr. and Will Myers both had two home runs in that big game. Two win. Jerickson Profar towards the end of the year. He was doing a good job of hitting. Tommy Pham is someone that is also going under the radar. This man during the regular season was banged up for much of it and when, even when he was out there on the field, he had right around 220 but in that series against the St. Louis Cardinals, he wound up hitting a 462. That is absolutely massive. Jake Cronenworth was absolutely terrific in that series against the Cardinals as well. Trent Grisham has been up and down a little bit this year. He didn't wind up having a hit in that series, but you still know what you're getting there. And with the Dodgers, this is a team that no if ands, or buts about it. They are one of the most dominant teams for a regular season that we've ever seen because they wound up leading the league in both the runs and ERA. They are the first team since, I believe, like 1946 to be able to do so. And even when they weren't firing all cylinders with the offense, because we saw in the series against the Milwaukee Brewers, they scored four and three runs. You just wound up having two very good starts from Walker Buehler along Fleet and Kershaw. The Kershaw start was absolutely masterful. Eight innings pitch. He gave up one walk and punched out 13 with Buehler. Didn't necessarily have a ton of length, but you had the bullpen that I was talking about a little bit earlier come through for this team. And Cody Bellinger seems to have gotten online. He wound up hitting 240 during the regular season, but we were talking about through much of the season that he was hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. He was able to find it. Mookie Betts. I mean, what more needs to be said about him? 292 batting average with 16 home runs and 39 RBI during the regular season at the leadoff spot for a lot of it. You bring back Justin Turner down for what and Corey Seager. These guys are great. Now you need a little bit more out of guys like Max Muncy if they wind up giving Gavin Lux a little bit of run. He wound up having a little bit of a tough time of it during the season, but Will Smith being able to step up with right around 400 on base for this team is big. Now you got Jack Peterson and Max Muncy. They didn't necessarily do a great job of being able to get on base, but despite all of that, the Dodgers had one of the most dominant regular seasons we had ever seen at 43 and 17. And then when it comes to the Padres, it just becomes a question of starting pitching. Now, Zach Davies is going to be able to go out there in one of these three games. He's going to be able to do a solid job, but if you don't have Denelson Lamette, who actually had the best ERA of any pitcher his first time through the lineup, as I believe he gave up one run his first time through the lineup in like 12 starts. Absolutely insane. So you're pretty much spotted three scoreless innings whenever Denelson Lamette gets out there along with Mike Clevenger. This team is really going to be behind the eight ball because we even noticed with Davies, he didn't necessarily have the best of starts. Chris Paddock wound up leading the National League when it came to home runs allowed. I certainly don't think that they're going to be starting Paddock in game one because as I'm seeing it right now, if you're taking a look at game one numbers, the Dodgers are a minus 150 favorite. If you're trotting out there Chris Paddock and if you're trotting out there a human being for the LA Dodgers, I'd be taking the human being. I mean, even if they would trot out there for the LA Dodgers, one of their less than trustworthy guys like Julio Arias, who I cannot see starting game one, but with that said, if they would, if they would even go with a bullpen game, I would take them at minus 150 over Chris Paddock and that total of eight. It really comes down to the pitching matchup because if you wind up bringing back Clayton Kershaw, who I think would be on full rest because this is on a Tuesday, I would certainly be taking a look at that under because I think that he's going to be able to do a good enough job against the Padres. And keep in mind, this is going to be played out there in Globe Life Park. These are neutral site games. With the National League, you're going to be playing these games out there in Texas. And with the American League, you're going to be playing these games out there in the two LA ballparks. This is not going to be taking place in Dodger Stadium. That needs to be kept in mind when you wind up handicapping all of this, just like when I was talking about it with the last segment with the Tampa Bay Rays and the New York Yankees taking a look at that under. Keep in mind, Yankees versus Rays. This is a game that is going to be played out there at Petco Park, a little bit more of a pitcher-friendly ballpark with that Houston Astros versus Oakland A's game. That's a game that is going to be taking place in Dodger Stadium. So, I mean, it's one of these things in which you got to feel like the Oakland A's get a little bit of a boost there from not having to travel as much, but obviously it's not going to make much of a difference. And then 
then when it comes to Marlins versus Braves, in my opinion, probably the most overlooked of the series, and a big reason why is because the Miami Marlins and Atlanta Braves wound up playing a series a few weeks ago, and in one of those games, the Atlanta Braves wound up taking down the Miami Marlins by a count of 29-9. I take a look at this series, and it's going to be so fascinating because what gets lost in that series is that the Miami Marlins actually took two of three, and this is a Marlins team that they're just sneaky. Now, they did have a bottom five bullpen when it comes to ERA in the month of September, but I still have a little bit of faith in guys like Brad Boxberger, Yimi Garcia, Richard Blyer, a bunch of guys that have been there, done that. It felt like the Miami Marlins just put out a call on Indeed saying, do you have a ERA for your career between 3 and F and 5? Have you ever been revered as a reliever that is not necessarily great, but at the same time doesn't poop the bed consistently? Then we want you, because that's exactly what you're getting out of this Miami Marlins bullpen. And with the Miami Marlins, they've yet to announce a starter for Game 1, as I don't think the Atlanta Braves have either, as I checked last, but you got to figure it's going to be Max Free for the Atlanta Braves. And for the Miami Marlins, you have to pick between either Sixo Sanchez or Sandy Alcantara. I've got to think it's going to be Alcantara. And as I'm taking a look at some of the opening numbers right now. You're seeing the Atlanta Braves as high as a minus 190 favorite in this game, as low as a minus 170. With the Marlins, you're getting anywhere between plus 160 and plus 170. I think that we've learned our lesson with downplaying the Miami Marlins. This is a team that you just gotta love the fact that they do a good job of being able to get on base. You don't necessarily have a bunch of guys that absolutely tore it up during the regular season, but Jesus Aguiar was able to hit right around at 275 for this team, along with Garrett Cooper, Brian Anderson, 255 average, 11 home runs, 38 RBI, despite the fact that he missed some time with COVID. Matt Joyce, a season veteran that's able to get on base. Lewis Brinson really helped out his average during the regular season. Miguel Rojas was able to have a 375 on base in those two games against the Chicago Cubs for the season has an on-base that's hovering right around 400. I like what he's able to bring to the table. You've got a lot of speed out there in the outfield as well. And then when you take a look at what you're able to get out of the Atlanta Braves, this is a bullpen that might be the best out there in the National League, not named the LA Dodgers, because you're able to trot out there a whole bunch of guys that wound up having an ERA that was a sub-3 during the regular season. Will Smith was a little bit up and down, but then you take a look at what you're able to get out of Mark Melanson, Darren O'Day, Shane Green, Chris Smith, even Tyler Madzik was able to step up for the team along with AJ Minter. List goes on and on. You've got yourself a terrific relief staff, but I think what's going to be big for the Miami Marlins is just taking one of the first two games because we know that Max Fried is going to be going one of them. Ian Anderson is probably going to be your game two starter, much like he was in that series against the Cincinnati Reds. And for Ian Anderson, I mean, it has been stunning to watch his growth. Three and two record during the regular season, about buck ninety five ERA during that start against the Cincinnati Reds. Six innings pitch, he only gave up two hits. Punched out nine. He has been absolutely superb for this team. But then it becomes, what do you get out of the team in games three, four, and five when it comes to the starters? Because you wound up having to go to Josh Shomlin for a couple starts during the season. That experiment wound up failing. Clearly better off in the bullpen. Kyle Wright was actually able to give this team some good starts. So he's probably going to wind up starting game three. But you still have your question marks there as well. Because, I mean, other than those last two starts in which he gave up a combined two runs and 13 innings against the Mets and Boston Red Sox, he hasn't shown you much this season. He is someone that I wound up seeing a little bit when I was covering the Vanderbilt Commodores out in Nashville, Tennessee a few years ago, and certainly has good stuff, but it just seems like sometimes he has a very big issue when it comes to control. And then, who else do you wind up starting for this team? You were relying on Cole Hamels being able to give this team a little bit of something. That certainly is not going to be the case for them, because you unfortunately wound up having so many injuries to this pitching staff. I mean, if they have Mike Soroka right now, it's a completely different story when it comes to the National League, because I think whoever winds up winning this series is just going to be fed to the wolves against the LA Dodgers. Meanwhile, if you still
saw it makes Soroka out there, I think that that's absolutely huge. That keeps you in a full other game. So I think that that's going to be big. And for the Miami Marlins, it's not like they necessarily have complete and utter lockdown pitching after their top two, but Pablo Lopez is someone that's actually pretty comparable for this team. He wound up having a little bit of issue towards the end of the year, but I do like what he's going to be able to bring to the table for this team. He does a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, so I think that that's going to be important for this team. You have Trevor Rogers as well, and Trevor Rogers is someone that I think is going to get absolutely shelled. If this winds up going to a fourth or fifth game, you're seeing Mr. Rogers as a starter. Well, I think it's going to be a neighborhood for overs in that one because you got to figure that the Atlanta Braves are not trotting out there much of a trustworthy starter either so I think that this is going to be very interesting to play this series total of seven and a half on game one if you do wind up getting that Max Freed versus Sandy Alcantara matchup I do have to take a look at the over just because we've seen so many runs in this series altogether. I do think that there's going to be some value on the Miami Marlins if it's not in game one it will probably be in game two if you wind up getting six of Sanchez going up against Ian Anderson now we still have a lot to be determined with that but I do think that there is going to be value on the Marlins I don't see them being able to win the series but I do think that if you're looking to bet overs when it comes to totals this is probably going to be the one in my opinion so hopefully you guys enjoyed my look at the NL and AL divisional series just wanted to give you guys my thoughts we're going to have Jeff Parles on this podcast tomorrow to break down game one of the ALDS as well and we're going to be talking to him about these series but hopefully you guys enjoyed my perspective and if you do like what I'm doing on this podcast baseball betting podcast well for one typically I give you a sign total on every game every day we just don't have any games for today so as a result no touch them all but you're able to subscribe to this fine podcast and get all the information every day wherever you find your podcasts Apple Podcasts Google Play Spotify Stitcher and TuneIn I do appreciate you guys listening. If you have a question for this podcast, fire it into my Twitter timeline at GRNSCORD1 or leave an Apple Podcast review. Rate this podcast five stars. Help me do what I do a little bit easier and get in your questions, comments, and concerns. I do always appreciate the listenership. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Hopefully, you're all safe, healthy, and doing well.